good morning, friends. Let's stand to our feet. Welcome, Happy New Year. My name is Jessica, I'm the worship pastor here, and we are so glad to see you. We're gonna worship Jesus this morning. We wanna invite you to do that with us. sacrifice God's perfect son gave up his life to ransom back the lost and damned paying the price justice demands as he was broken heaven was open our judgment lifted our sins acquitted his loving kindness freely
Glory and your power, let your majesty. 
break you open a minute.
just so much that's going on in this world right now. And I guess we just can't stand here and come to church and do business as usual. Because right now we need our King Jesus. Prince of Peace. And I don't want to be the type of Christian who is not moved by the brokenness of this world and where it's at right now. And I know we all believe many different things, and that is okay. Politically, we can disagree, and that's okay. But what matters is that He is our King. And he is our Prince of Peace, and we are going to worship him today like we have never worshiped him before. We need Jesus. We are not a church that just comes in this room on Sunday. We are here to worship Jesus because we believe it's going to change things. People are dying, things are broken. We do not value our own lives over any other life. That is not who Jesus is. So we are not going to just stand here comfy in our seats, okay? We're going to worship the Lord because there's a war. There is a spiritual war that's going on. And when we worship God, there is power and there is ground that is taken and we take it back from the darkness. We take it back from the enemy, okay? You way back there and all across this room have authority in your voice. And so when you sing out the name of Jesus, things are changed. And the Spirit of God is moving. Do you want to be a church that believes that? believes that your voice is given the authority Jesus gives it authority to worship to declare and for things to change okay can we all agree that Jesus is our king and we're going to worship him
every voice. Jesus, Jesus, come on. You make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus. And your name is a lie that the shadows can't deny.
2020, a year that maybe feels a little uncertain, not sure what's coming, what's in our future, but this we know to be true. His is the kingdom. His is the glory. His is the power forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. And that's why it's good to be together, to declare that even when we're feeling the uncertainty, that when we come together and we declare that together, that gives us confidence in who God's called us to be, gives us confidence to walk out in what God wants for us. So I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, my name is Neely. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's going to be a great day today. I'm excited. We're starting a new series called Together, and I'm glad you're here to be a part of it. When you came in, you got a handout. Inside that handout's a little connection card, and I'd love for you to take a little bit of time during the service to fill this out, give it a little, a little time, maybe any updated information, because this is a big year for Overlake. There's a lot happening. There's a lot of change coming, and we want to make sure you're looped in, and we want to make sure that you have the information, and you can speak up when you want to speak up, and this is a, a very powerful tool for that. So make sure you spend a little time with that, drop it in the bucket. But if this is your first time here, welcome. Happy 2020. What a great New Year's resolution to come to church. I love that. So good. You're going to hold on to this, and when you leave, you'll just stop by the desk, the Connection Center, and exchange this for a little gift, kind of our way of saying thanks for being a part of today. Here's what I'd love for you to do. Take a couple seconds, meet and greet the people around you, uh, check in, find out if there's any New Year's resolutions being made. Well, like I said, we're starting a new series called Together, and here's what we decided. Pastor Pat and I are going to tag team this this morning because we figured if we're starting a new series about the church being in this together, it kind of makes sense to do this part of the service also together. So you're going to hear from him in a little bit. But this theme of togetherness has been coming up over and over for both the staff and the elders. As we start to think about the year ahead, about 2020, where the church is going, this word keeps coming up. And I feel like it makes sense that this word, in the midst of all the transition, in the midst of change, and even in the midst of this year for our country that could be a year of division, that the church would be a place of togetherness. That, a, that even if we're different, we would come together and be together. People moving forward together, looking ahead together. A church that believes the best is yet to come. Definitely. Together. Amen. People who practice our values, who live out our vision of loving God and loving each other and, and serving the world locally and globally together. Amen. We're doing it together. But why? Why together? Why does this word keep coming up? And I, I think we're going to spend a little time this morning kind of answering that question of why together. I think the best place to look is to look to, to the church. When we, the early church, when we think of us as Overlake Church wanting to do it together, who sets a better example than the early church? And so we're going to spend a little time in the book of Acts. We're going to dig into Acts 2, 
42 through 47. And we're going to open it up. I'm going to find it too here. Um, and what you'll notice, I noticed this in my Bible when I was reading this. Um, this section, the title, the heading says, The Believers Formed a Community. The believers formed a community. It was these individual followers of Jesus saying, look, we're going to do this together. And this is the birthplace of the church right here, the birthplace. Jesus at the center, built upon the apostles' teachings, and together they lived out the mission to bring God's kingdom to earth. And so I want to do that. I want to read it, and then I'd love for you to read along. You can read along on the screen. You can follow along in a Bible. But we're going to read from Acts 42, 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them. All the apostles performed many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. There's a lot of togetherness in that passage, right? They're learning together. They're eating together. They're praying together. They're meeting together. They're sharing their possessions with each other. They're worshiping. They're giving. They're growing together. A lot of togetherness. Why? Why, why did this happen at the birthplace of the church? Well, I want to unpack that. And the first reason I think it happened is this idea that God with us becomes God in us. God with us becomes God in us. We gathered just a few weeks ago. I, I've lost track of time a little bit, but Christmas Eve, we were all here. Um, and it was, we celebrated the miracle of Christmas, the miracle of God with us, Emmanuel. Right? We celebrate the arrival of Jesus. And Jesus walked the earth for about 33 years. And he was here and he was teaching us about the kingdom. He was opposing the religious leaders. He was showing us what love looked like up close. He was showing us what God looked like. He was showing us what it meant to be human. And as he's about ready to wrap up his time, in the book of John, he tells his disciples, look, I'm about ready to go. But when I go, I promise not to leave you alone. And this is what he says in John 14. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Amen. Now, this is a really powerful passage. It's actually for, for us as Christians, we believe this idea of Trinity. God is three, the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so this passage is actually, when we talk about Trinitarian theology, is a really important passage because it's one of the few passages where all three are mentioned. We have the Son praying to the Father, asking that the Holy Spirit would be sent. And so here we see it. And it's a promise. It's a promise that God is with us now, but God will be in us. That's the promise. 
I shared this quote at Christmas Eve, and I think it fits here also, and I think it's an important one to come back to when we talk about this idea of God in us. But Dorothy Day said this, I'm so glad Jesus was born in a stable because my soul is so much like a stable. It's poor and in unsatisfactory condition. Yet I believe that if Jesus can be born in a stable, maybe he can also be born in me. That's the promise. The one who was with us is now the one in us. And so we continue with Jesus' life, and then we see he, he does die. He is do, raised from the dead, and then he ascends into heaven. And it lands us right at the book of Acts. And it, we, we're going to pick up on the day of Pentecost, which is 40 days after the resurrection. And it's the arrival of the Advocate. The arrival of the Holy Spirit. The, the believers are all in a room. They're hanging out. They feel uncertain, maybe like we feel right now. What is coming next? And they're waiting. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit comes with a wind. And they begin to speak in languages they don't know. And there's fire. And there's this, this worshiping in tongues that they don't know. And people all around them are watching it and are astonished. They're wondering what is happening. They're hearing worship in languages that is their language and language that isn't theirs. And Peter steps forward and he says, let me explain what you're seeing. And so I want to pick up, this is also in Acts 2, starting in verse 14. Peter says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. So they have the before noon rule there also, apparently. Verse 16, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike, they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord's arrival. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God with us becomes God in us. And Peter quotes here from the book of Joel. He's using, he's referencing the Old Testament. And he says this, he says, look, the spirit is going to move in the young and the old and the men and the women and the servants in all people. This is actually, to me, one of the most empowering verses when I read scripture. Because I want to see the Spirit move. I want to see the Spirit poured out again. I want to see that. And what that tells me is, if that's going to happen, it's going to include men and women, young and old, all people, anyone who says, God, you can make your home in me. That's the invitation. That the God who died on a cross, rose again, and ascended into heaven will live in us and empower us. He will move us. He will give us dreams, and he will give us visions. God in us will be working through us. And that's what we see in this early church. We see in Acts 43, it says the, the, the apostles were performing miraculous signs. It was evident that the Holy Spirit was at work in them. I do want to give a little warning here because I think some of our core beliefs can get, come at conflict with each other here. See, the beauty of the faith, the belief that the Holy Spirit dwells in the individual, that it's personal, is true and good. That is true and good. Amen. 
But what that does not mean is that faith is a solitary experience. That you experience it alone. Faith is meant to be lived collectively, together. And see, our Western way of thinking, right, we value independence. We value individual rights. Is actually counter what we're being invited to. And, it, and if we're not careful, they can rob us of the beauty of a personal relationship by robbing us of a corporate collective experience. Amen. They go together. Amen. God in us is good for us. It's good for us together. I mean, think about Christmas Eve again and that candlelight moment. One candle in a dark room makes a difference. But a thousand candles in a dark room, it changes the room. God in one person living in the world makes a difference. But imagine a thousand people living with the God of the universe inside of us, acting on how he's calling us to step out. Imagine what this world will look like. I think we would taste heaven on earth. What we just sang, we would experience it here if a thousand of us collectively together allowed God to work in us and through us. Not alone, but together. And it's possible. It is possible. It's possible because God's in us. It's possible because God's doing the work in us. It, and we need actually God to be in us to transform us so that we can do together. Because like I said already, this, the reality of the world is like we are actively being told to be divided. Actively. In fact, I think when we were young, we were taught that. How many of you guys got highlight magazines? It was a, it was a highlight to get highlight magazines. The page where it's like, what are, di- what are the differences? Circle the differences. We're trained as a young child to notice what's different. And then somewhere along the line, and I think it's pretty early, we're trained that different is unsafe. And I just want to be clear that together is not same. Right. Unity is not uniformity. We need the Holy Spirit, though. The reality is to do this together with people who are different and think different and feel different and see the world different. The only way to come together is to have the Holy Spirit working us. I need the Holy Spirit convicting me. I need the Holy Spirit convicting you for us to do life together. The church that was started in Acts 2 continued on because people said yes to God living in them and yes to life together. So why together? Because God's in us. The, the next why I think is this. That life alone is impossible. Together it's imaginable. I, I hear a lot of people say, and for the sake of this morning I'm going to blame it on teenagers. I see a lot of teenagers say, I don't need anyone. Because, you know, mature adults would never say that. We know better, right? Um, but I'm like, so like who like grew your food? Was that in your garden out back? Or like, you know, do you think a person connected you to Wi-Fi so you could order everything off Prime? Like, who did those things? Also, who gave birth to you? I'm just curious. Like, it's literally impossible to do life alone. Literally. And then the creation story, you know, we see Adam, that God notices Adam is missing something. He needs connection. He needs a companion. We're wired for a relationship. Every human needs a place and people to belong to, and that's what the church is. Not only do we need each other, 
but often life is only possible because we're doing it together. In Acts, in the, again, in this church, we see that the community shows up making sure everyone's needs are met. They share meals and they share possessions. What could have been unimaginable alone is imaginable together. Amen. I think about the seasons of life in this room, about the different places that we are. I think about the young couple with a newborn who's feeling alone and uncertain, and they find support here in Kittown. They find mentorship in relationships. I'm thinking about the young adult who moves to this area for a job and has left family but finds a, a, a life group and finds in that life group finds connection and people in different seasons of life who become family. Amen. I think about the couple who's struggling in their marriage who's found a safe place in student ministries for their teenagers. I think about the empty nesters who are wondering, like, what more do I have to contribute? Does my voice even matter? And the church is saying, yes, we need you more now than ever. I think about myself personally. Recently, my son turned 16, and we had this amazing moment with our, our small group of community people where all the adults spoke into his life. They affirmed him, pointed out the potential, and then we all laid hands on him and prayed for him. And here's the, what I know. I've worked with teenagers for 25 years. By all accounts, I'm an expert in teenagers, if there's such a thing. And my expertise has told me that I cannot do this alone, that I need other people speaking into my 16-year-old's life. Raising a teenager is hard. I'd actually say it's impossible alone. But together, it's imaginable. N.T. Wright says it this way. The church exists primarily for two closely correlated purposes, to worship God and to work for his kingdom in the world. The church also exists for a third purpose, which serves the other two, to encourage one another, to build one another up in faith, to pray with one another, with and for one another, to learn from one another, teach one another, and to set one another examples to challenges to take up and urgent tasks to perform. This is all part of what is known loosely as fellowship. The church exists for one another, for togetherness. And I think life is challenging on its own, but there are times when not only is life challenging, it is unbearable. And we cannot do that alone. And together is God's answer to those hurts and those pains. My first ministry job right out of college was nearby, and it was a church that was really um, unhealthy. The staff was in a really unhealthy place, and it was, I felt, alone and isolated there. At the same time, my parents had both moved on from their divorce and had entered into other relationships, and I found myself single out of a long-term relationship uh, with Josh. So um, that's a story for another day. Um, don't worry, it comes up in therapy a lot. No, just kidding. <laughs> And in this moment, I kept asking God, what are you up to? What are you doing? And a mentor recommended this book called Where is God When It Hurts by Philip Yancey. And this book changed my life. It began to, to give me a different vision for the church and imagine what the church could be. And this is what he said. Today, if I had to answer the question, where is God when it, hurt, when it hurts? In a single sentence, I would make that sentence another question. Where is the church when it hurts? we form the front line of God's response to the suffering world. Together is the only way to imagine this life, to bear the weight of it, the good and the bad. 
It's the benefit, God in us. When we show up in each other's life, when we ask the question, where is God? If we believe God lives in us, then when I'm with you and you're with me, we're together. God is with us. Paul said it this way, bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. You want to live out God's law? You want to fulfill what he is? Care for each other. Carry each other's burdens. Don't do life alone. Do it together. Why together? Because life alone is impossible, but together it's imaginable. Amen. Here's what I want to do. I want to do something a little different that we, we don't normally do, and I want to make a space for reflection in service. And inside that handout, there was a blank handout, and I would love for us to just spend 60 seconds and we're going to put a couple questions on the screen. And I'd just love for you to maybe journal some thoughts. Think about this. Do a little personal reflection for yourself and for what's ahead for Overlake. So, and then afterwards, Pastor Pat will jump up and he'll finish us out with a couple more thoughts on Acts 2. Well, that's what a minute feels like in church with hundreds of other people listening to music and thinking, I, I really think we could do a lot more of that. I think it'd be beautiful for this year to have a lot more time of just reflection, through, even throughout our weeks, uh, throughout our days, finding moments to just listen, to just hit pause, eliminate distractions, and, and just see what comes up. Uh, and, and actually thinking through that, that second reflection question, what the idea that came to my mind was, I think, I think the Swansons just need to have more people over to our home. Like, I, I, we just don't do that enough. Like, have, having, having food in, 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 in a home setting and uh, with others. So I, I can imagine the spirit was just dropping all kinds of different ideas, which I think is just so awesome. Well, I'm, I'm Pat. Uh, Pastor Neely mentioned that. I just have a couple thoughts. And, and really, my first point is this. Write, write this down. This one's huge. Just three words. What Neely said. Okay, that's it. That's all you got to know. Like, like, we could pray and go home right now. Uh, I, I have two smaller thoughts as an addendum. A, a, a couple other things to just, just, just add, add to this uh, conversation about together. And, and what I want to do first is, is, again, just read through this passage. And, and we're going to get really familiar with it over the course of the next few weeks. Because I really think upon this, this is like the blueprint that I think really help, helps us uh, look and see what 2020 could look like for Overlake. But, but let's read just Acts 2, 42 through 47 again. And, and again, if you don't have a Bible, you uh, have one now. Just take the one in the seat back in front of you and it's yours. It's, it's our gift to you. 
Here's what it says in Acts 2. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to, the share, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So all, all these things, kind of like a list. They were devoted to all of these different things. And, and, and what I love is the apostles' teaching. It wasn't just like the apostles coming up with stuff. They were just riffing on lessons they had from Jesus. Uh, Jesus had taught them about the kingdom nonstop for a few years. And so they're just taking that same teaching. And people are devoting themselves to this. Not just hearing it, but, but living into it. And, as well as praying together. And, and I was thinking even through that, like Neely mentioned, so many things we privatize, even in our faith, that prayer can only look like it's a, 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 a morning, uh, you know, quiet morning in a dark room. And maybe light a well-scented candle. I don't know. But... But, but, but prayer should also look like community, praying together. And, and I got to do this yesterday with about 25 Overlakers as we just prayed for Overlake in this year, in this season. And, and you feel it. I've, I could feel like, like Overlake was being strengthened. And, 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 and so these, again, are, are practices that happen in, in the context of community. It goes on. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together. There's our word right there in Scripture. Met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. These are, these are some concepts that in two weeks from now, I'm excited to camp out just there specifically uh, together. But, but here we go into now verse 46. They worship together. Again, there's our, there's our word. At the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. I love if you read the message from Eugene Peterson, the way he paraphrases the word, word goodwill of, the, of, of all the people, which is strange, like we don't say that a lot. He says, he says it this way. He says, people in general liked what they saw. Maybe they didn't understand it. Maybe they didn't get the whole thing. Maybe, maybe the whole story of a guy walking out of a tomb three days after he was crucified on a Roman cross was a little confusing. But when they looked at how people were just in community, loved one another, cared for one another, people liked it. They liked what they saw. And, and, and so what did that lead to? Well, that's where the, the, this passage ends. It says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So if there's just two more thoughts that I can add to what Neely shared. The, the first is this. Why together? Well, one, it's in our roots. This is who we are. Like this is, this is our, our spiritual DNA. This is our ancestry right here in, in the book of Acts. You, you can draw a straight line. From, maybe not a straight line. It'll be like really crazy. But, uh, but if you go from Overlake, 51-year-old church here that we're all sitting in together here, and you can draw it all the way back. It'd be a little gnarly. And then you could end up here at the beginning, at people who were devoted to the faith. And so what do we have to learn from them? Well, I think that's, I think that's the word, devoted. If you look at that first verse that we just read, all the believers devoted themselves. They were committed. If you, if you look at what this word means and how it's used in other places, uh, not just in scripture, but in other, other uh, uh, writings from, from, uh, in Greek, it's this word that means to be steadfastly attentive to something, unremittingly care to a thing, to continue all the time in a place, to persevere and not to faint, to be in constant readiness. The picture of it, the picture that came to my mind is this. This is devotion right here. Boom. I just cleaned the kitchen minus the pots in the sink. Don't look at those. But 
but for me, that's a clean kitchen. And, and there's my dog, there's Romeo. And what you can't see is there's a little food left on one of the counters, uh, either off to the left or right, I can't remember. But, but Romeo knows that. He's, pretty, he's pretty, pretty alert. He knows there's a little food on a counter. And if he just devotes himself, if he is steadfast, if he perseveres, he may go dehydrated, just dripping drops of little slobber down on the ground, but he will wait it out. He's playing the long game and he will not give up. And he will sit like that until you show up and you actually give him what he's waiting for. I think we have a deficit of devotion in today's day and age. I think we are too slow to commit to something and too quick to give up on things. And in the time in between, we're just super distracted. We don't know how to focus. We don't, we don't know how to commit ourselves to something and stick with it. This is so funny to me. In 2018, uh, if you looked at kind of the, 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 uh, the ad campaign that Jared Jewelers went through uh, from like Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas, it was called the Dare to Be Devoted Event. Jewelers even recognize, like, this isn't good for business if people aren't willing to devote themselves to someone, commit to someone. We have a problem. And it's really what we see in our roots when, when our faith is most alive, when the church is at its best, at its healthiest, when, when it's fully functioning, it requires devotion, being all in. G.K. Chesterton, he says this quote. He says, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. It's tough. Following the way of Jesus is not easy. Maybe we sell it too low even. Maybe we make it sound too easy and that's the problem. But the way of love is hard. It requires perseverance. And here, here, what if in 2020 we actually try the Christian faith at Overlake? What if we go in together? What if we go all in? Complete abandon, no turning back, continual devotion. Amen. What if we pledge our allegiance not to a flag or a nation, but to Jesus and his ways? And that's what baptism really signifies, is saying, I'm done with this old way. All other allegiances are second because my first one is to Jesus, a new life, a new way. Amen. And what if we become poor in the process? So be it. What if, we're, what, what, what if people call us fools in the process? So be it. Amen. What if we lose friends in the process? So be it. Amen. What if we lose our very lives in the process? So be it. You look at the early church and they were willing, they were so devoted to what they believed, to following Jesus and Jesus' ways, that all those things happen. So we've looked at the first verse, now let's look at that, that very last verse, and then we're going to participate in something the early church did. Here's this last verse. It says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And so the final point's this. Why together? Why going after this? Well, because together the church grows. It just happens. There's, there's, there's not little tricks. There's not little silver bullets. There's no little strategies. If the church is just the church, it, it, it grows. The kingdom comes. People come and they're, they're curious. They like what they see when we live into this. And so that's really the invitation that we have this year. What I want to do now is, is in a moment, we're going to respond in worship and we're going to come to the table. And there's tables in the front, middle, and the back. And and the elements on these tables are a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice. And what they symbolize is exactly what Jesus said they symbolized when he first actually instituted this practice with his followers. 
He said the bread reminds you that his body has been broken for us. Again, he died on a cross. And the, and the juice, it reminds us that his blood has been poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, for anything we've done wrong. And not just individually, but even systemically. All the pain, all the suffering in the world, that Jesus offers forgiveness, new life, a new way. And what, he, what, what this also does, it doesn't just remind us of what Jesus has done. It also reminds us of what he invites us into. That we too get to lay down our lives. That we too get to be sent into this world as he was sent into this world. That we too get to love like crazy everyone else, not just ourselves. And so in this moment, Overlake, would you stand with me? And, and again, as you feel kind of prompted, as you feel led, and, and this isn't a measure of faith. You don't have to have an amazing level of faith. You can have no faith. You, 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 it doesn't matter if you doubt. It doesn't matter if you're broken. It doesn't matter where you're at. Coming to this table helps you realize that Jesus is present, that he's here for you, and that he nourishes you, he strengthens you, that he is, in fact, in you. And so let's continue to respond as we partake in communion.
together is beautiful. Worshiping together, coming to the Lord's table together, this is a beautiful thing to be a part of. I'm so glad we get to do this. I want you to go ahead and take a seat, and as you do, you can grab your connection card. And again, I just want to give you a moment, if, if you need it, to maybe select an action step, or if you want to get baptized, Pat mentioned the idea of what baptism means, and we're, we have one coming up. We'd love for you to be a part of that, so go ahead and check that. Together, I'm excited. I get so excited thinking about this series in the next few weeks and this the year ahead of what is to come. I believe God is at work and good is coming. And so I know that that means we've got to do it together. It's not the elders doing something, the staff doing something. It's everybody. It's the whole body of Christ coming together. And so we do that in practice. And one of those ways we do that in practice is by the, the giving of our tithes and offerings. It's, we're saying, look, I'll live it with my life, I'll live it with my time, and I'll live it with my money. And so that's what we're doing when we do offering. It's an act of worship. And so that's what I want to do. I want to invite the ushers forward, and we're going to continue worshiping together with the giving of our gifts and tithes and offering. James. I'm one of the elders here. It's 2020. I know. I went into my garage this morning. I looked in there. There's no flying car in there. Like I checked. What's going on? Uh, I'm going to dismiss us in one moment. Um, before I do that, though, I just want to point out, I, I hope it's super clear. Your team up here is ready to go for 2020. Could you sense that today? Like, are we? They are fired up and ready to go. I love it. So uh, before I send us out to root for the, the beloved Seahawk, uh, I'm going to remind us that if you want any prayer, uh, if you want to celebrate that 2019 is over or lament, like like work with somebody to say, thank goodness that 2019 is over, any of that, pray for 2020. Uh, there are great prayer warriors who are here and available for you. So when you just head on out, uh, down, uh, and instead of going to the, the Connection Center, go the other way, and uh, they'll be there to, to take great care of you. 
Um, I uh, am going to send us out of here with a prayer, uh, but before I do that, I want to remind us of that, um, the first verse we talked about today in, in Acts uh, 2, um, verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So why don't we bow our heads, because that's what I want to pray over us uh, as a church uh, today that we as believers, uh, as OCC, will devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. That we love God, that we love people, that we serve the world and we do those things together. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name, amen. See you next week.